Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, cast our eyes over everything happening inside and outside the squared circle in a podcast for wrestling fans by wrestling fans. Coming up today, we're paying tribute to the legendary Scott Hall and reflecting on the legacy of the ultimate bad guy in professional wrestling. We're sending our best to Big E after he broke his neck on SmackDown. And in lighter news, we're asking what's in a name as Pete Dunne becomes Butch and wondering when, where or whether Cody Rhodes ever turns up in WWE. All that and so much more coming up right now on Earning the Push. No, I think he was 63, wasn't he? Which is no age really nowadays. But what a 63 years he had. Some life Scott Hall lived. And I think in the boom period of wrestling, in the Monday Night Wars in the 90s, him him and uh, Kevin Nash making that jump from WWE to WCW, being the outsiders, forming the NWO, that really was the first uh, the first shot fired across the bowels, wasn't it? That was, that was when the war started. And there's so many brilliant stories coming out. And I think... Almost because he was such a great character, you he doesn't get the credit and you see him getting it now from some people, which is great, of what a great wrestler he was as well. Like You just have to watch that WrestleMania ladder match with Shawn Michaels to know how good he was in the ring. So an incredibly sad day, but um, obviously a very well-respected and well-loved member of the wrestling community. It, it reminded me last week, your earning the push was Shane Warne and you said, you never know. You never know when life is going to take this sort of turn. And for me, the moment I thought, this really is big, was given everything going on in the world at the moment, you look at the BBC News app and there is a story about Scott Hall, tributes being paid to him. I suppose the thing you have to look at and is say that for all his personal trials and tribulations, by the end of his life, he was in a position where he was able to be part of wrestling in a healthy way and get those plaudits and people were able to tell him how much he meant to them. Yeah, he... He would seemed at times to be quite a divisive figure. Uh, I don't think he really cared what other people thought of him, if you uh, believe certain stories, etc. But he was obviously well-respected and well-loved, as we're seeing now. And like you say, the really good thing is it didn't take him dying for people to accept and admit that. You could see that before he passed. Like, you look at the reception you get to that Hall of Fame speech. It's an all-time Hall of Fame speech, isn't it? Like, I've seen the video of it hundreds of times the last few days. But just hard work pays off. Dreams do come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. It's just, it just that that hits on so many levels to so many people. Like, basically, just tough it out, get through it, because you you will. And he did. He had many many uh, trials and tribulations, as you said, and he got through them to live a happy last however many years before he did pass. So hugely sad that he passed so early, but like I say, very pleased that he saw the respect and love for him before he died. And it's not one of those where everyone's saying, we wish we told him this before he passed. Thankfully, everyone did. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk and celebrate to a degree what Scott Hall was able to achieve. Now, you and I are both younger in our fandom than 1996 when he shows up on Nitro. But I know I've gone back and watched that moment. He comes out of the crowd into the ring. And yes, I'm sure Eric Bischoff had creative control over that, that he helped set the stall for how he wanted that to go. But you need the man to pull it off. You know, in, in your sport, you can have the play, you need the person to execute it. And that was perfection, and it hadn't been done before. It, it's just, yeah, and if you haven't seen it go on, it's perfect. The way he comes out the crowd, the way 
it was before there was Twitter and Instagram and reports. So it was a huge shock. It was live on telly and he just pulled it off. The charisma was just incredible. And he, Kevin Nash, and then Hulk Hogan, they, they changed the game in wrestling. I've, I like to say, I was only one year, one year old in 1996. I've got an NWO t-shirt. Like the NWO, everyone knows who they are. It's one of those t-shirts you wear and people know, oh, that's a wrestling t-shirt. It's not like going out in my Adam Cole t-shirt where unless you're a wrestling fan, you don't quite know what it is. You wear an NWO t-shirt, we go, ah, oh, that was Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and then everyone else in the world eventually. But people know it. It, it was a huge moment, not just for wrestling, but for pop culture. And I genuinely think without Scott Hall and that Razor Ramon character, it wouldn't have been quite the same. It, it still would have been a success. You've still got huge names there and great people, but he just, he oozed that charisma. That Have you ever seen anyone be so effortlessly cool? It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And I'm sure you've seen it because we've all been watching our social media. And, and it, it, this is a shame. It takes sometimes someone passing away to remind you of how, how good they were. But the moment where there's a, a drink that gets thrown from the crowd and it hits Scott Hall on the head and it he just sort of gets to wipe it away effortlessly, effortlessly cool. My personal friends over at WWE on BT Sports uh, they because they're still in my DMs once, uh, tweet that saying, like, imagine being that, in inverted commas, fan who did something as stupid as this to throw this at Scott Hall and then just realising it's made him look even cooler. Because the way he used to slick back his hair and just wears that cup or can or whatever it is, it is, is like, ah, oh, you really are a badass, actually. And you're trying to make him look stupid and you've just made him about 10 times cooler. So that that almost sums him up perfectly that, there wasn't much you could do to make him less cool, really. Yeah, absolutely. And and a great wrestling mind and a great loss. And let's go back and watch his stuff and remind ourselves how cool Razor Ramon Scott Hall was. I'm afraid it's a sad episode today. There isn't much good news around in the world of wrestling. And we'll get to the frivolous and the stuff that really doesn't matter in a bit. But we need to mention that on Friday Night Smackdown, as folks will know, watching this Big E taking a nasty overhead belly-to-belly suplex breaking his neck. Now, fortunately, his fingers and toes are moving. It is, if this is something you can say, the best possible outcome from that situation. But let's not mince words. The guy still has a broken neck, and that was nasty, Charlie. It's just so scary, mate. It's scary like this. Yes, this is predetermined. Yes, they know who's going to win before they go in. Yes, it's not quote-unquote proper sport in that sense. But if you ever need a reminder of what these men and these women do has risks is real combat then this is this is it all it took was a slight mistake on a belly to belly and i feel hugely for ridge holland that is uh, he's from my understanding and i'm not pressurizing he hasn't done much wrong it's just been a bit of a freak accident the way biggie's fallen and uh, the fact that it was on the outside as well and just thank god that as you said it's the the weirdest sentence ever but the best it seems to be the best possible neck break we could have imagined like him and what a man by the way not a few hours after, he's in hospital taking selfie videos, almost self-mocking himself for how funny he looks with his big neck brace on. And what a guy, what an unbelievable human being Big E seems to be, to be able to have that sense of humour at such a serious moment. Um, but yeah, a very, very scary moment for all involved. I felt massively, especially for Kofi mm. in the ring, watching, you could see he knew something was wrong straight away and he had to go and finish the match. Yeah, a really, really scary moment. And you just got to hope that Big E makes a full recovery First of all, to being able to walk and just go about his day-to-day life normally. And then whether he can ever wrestle again comes comes around much later. That's a lot less important. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you you do say you're tested in dark moments, and my God, Big E passed that test with flying colours to be lying on a hospital gurney with the halo round his neck saying, don't worry about me. He said, go to sleep. I'm fine. Go to bed. Go to sleep. I'm fine. I mean, if you didn't respect the man before, and if you've not seen the network documentary, which I know you recommended, the insight into Big E, um, go, it just shows what a great, great guy he is. And look, it, it seems like these things are a bit like buses, aren't they? Because we saw that nasty, nasty landing for Madcap Moss where could have been a lot worse and wasn't. And now Big E's done this as well. It does remind you of, of what risks these people take to entertain us. It's mad, isn't it? Both of them, they weren't in huge spots. They weren't like someone was getting chucked off the cell, were they? Or someone off a ladder. They aren't, it seems, or does always seem to be, it's not the massive spots that the injuries occur. It's the, not the routine spots, a belly-to-belly suplex on someone as big as Big E is not routine, but the stuff that you wouldn't immediately think is the most dangerous, when that goes wrong, it seems that that is the one, they are the ones that have the worst consequences, unfortunately. So um, all we can do is hope that he does make a full recovery, but just be very thankful that it's not been anything more serious. I know necks are matters of millimetres, matters of absolute millimetres on how far you move or break, etc. So he'll be a very, he'll be counting his lucky stars, I imagine. He's a very lucky boy that it wasn't a few millimetres left or right, because that's where, unfortunately, next you get paralysis and that sort of stuff, don't you? So thank God it doesn't seem like we have any of those issues with Big E. And I know we all wish him an absolutely huge and speedy recovery here. One bit of more serious news, but this does have a better ending. I guess this is about the dangers of what you believe when you go online, because there was a lot of concern this week for William Regal after speculation online that Regal, having given a promo on Dynamite saying, I don't have that long left. The speculation was that William Regal was seriously, seriously ill. And that took took fire like a wildfire and actually forced William Regal to come out and say, actually, I was talking about a few years back, but I actually feel healthier now than I did. But that went so quickly from everyone going, great to have Regal on Dynamite to, oh my goodness, is this the end for him? To actually, he's fine. First of all, obviously, we're hugely, hugely uh, happy that Mr. Regal does seem to be very okay, which is the best news. Um, and I think it showed the love for him and the concern for his health. I think we just got to be very careful what we report and how we report it and when, etc. I don't know if whoever did report it meant for this to happen or if it was an accident. They heard the quote. With anything, we have to be careful uh, spreading mistruths, but especially when it comes to people's health for something as serious as this. I think we just have to be very careful. We double check things and make sure what we're reporting is correct and true. But the main thing is, thank God, it seems Mr. Regal, William Regal is okay. That's the main thing because, first of all, we want him to be very healthy, but also I'm so excited, as I said last week, to see what he's doing in AEW. So I want him at his absolute fighting best. He, he can do his best there because he seems motivated beyond belief. So hopefully we get some great stuff there. But most importantly, he seems to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know the mark of William Regal is he went out on social media, as I'm sure people saw, saying, I'm really sorry I went over on my promo. Um, I should know the importance of hitting timings more than anyone. And everyone's going, yeah. But you're William Regal. It's fine. You can do that this time. We wanted to hear from you. It was it was a really really good promo. Uh, Will we, we, Will? Don't know calls him Will. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> really? We don't mind. But yeah, what a guy. What a professional. Yeah, I I really love that because it's a big man to apologize even in private, let alone in public. So yeah, uh, he's got a lot of time for William Regal. I can't believe when I was a kid, I thought he was a rubbish wrestler from Blackpool. 
I was like, of course we've got this rubbish guy from England. And I actually grew up and you're like, I oh, know this guy's a bit of a genius. Yeah, you, you understand more. Look, we've done the serious. It's been one of those weeks. Let's get into something that doesn't matter at all, but has fired both of us up. Pete Dunn made his oh, debut. Oh, they've done my boy day. Pete what Dunn made done? his debut on the main roster. And he we didn't all... know, did he? Well... He didn't know. <laughs> Go on then. Um, just just for people who've been living under a rock, Pete Dunn comes up to SmackDown. Except he's not Pete Dunn anymore. He's not even done of any kind. He is. He is done <laughs> with this name. He is done on top of nothing. Butch, go on, Charlie, take us away. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like at least change. I can't. Really... This this is how far it should be. At least changing Walter to Gunther kind of makes sense because it's a name that he could have because he's Austrian. What, and it is a name. It is a name. It's a terrible name, but it is one. Why have we dressed Pete Dunne, one of the best wrestlers in the world, and over year-long WWE United Kingdom champion? That, is that history just gone now? Why are we changing all the UK champions' names? Why are we doing that? <laughs> but why have we dressed him like some weird spin-off from Oliver Twist meets Peaky Blinders and called him Butch? What? What's that? Like... Uh- there what are butchers around, Charlie. Name. Charlie, there are butchers. There was Butch Dingle from Emmerdale. He was a butch. You know what he's got? A surname. <laughs> it's Butch. Like, what? What? I, I don't get, like, what's wrong with Pete Dunne? He's got, this is what I don't understand. And I'm going to go serious now. You take, this works with both Walter and Pete Dunne. You've got two wrestlers who are over with the name they have. Now, are they the most exciting names in the world? No but they're their names. They're over with them. They have huge history with their names on the indies and in your own company in um, NXT and NXT UK. And even for Walter um, at Survivor Series on the main roster, everyone knows who they are. Everyone knows what these names are synonymous with great runs and great wrestling. Why, Why are you changing it? I don't see the upside. And especially with Walter, there's been... Zero change of character either. He's the exact same person, just the new name. And with Pete Dunn, the only change I can see is he's wearing a flat cap and braces. I don't. It's not like you come out and change the whole persona and made them new and repackaged them. You've just given them rubbish names. Isn't the idea? I'm I'm going to play devil's advocate, but isn't the idea that you can take Butch and make Butch into a character that WWE has got equity in and WWE has got some ability to invest in and and Pete Dunne is his creation. So if Pete Dunne decides he wants to take all the equity WWE have put into the Pete Dunne name and swan off to AEW, he can do that. And we've seen it with Keith Lee, Jeff Hardy, CM Punk. We've seen people who've kept their own gimmick and their own sort of quote-unquote working name go to other companies and be a success. Now, if WWE makes Butch a success and people forget about Pete Dunne, if he leaves, he's suddenly not as as valuable an asset, right? Maybe, but if you're debuting someone with already the worry of what's going to happen when they leave, then what a terribly negative mindset for business that is. Like, And also, you've already put equity in Pete Dunne over the last four or five years in NXT. Like, even if he left now, I didn't know who Pete Dunne was before he came to WWE. So if you'd named him Butch in NXT, I'd be raving about how good Butch is because that's all I've ever known him as. But I've known him for four years now as Pete Dunne. I've known him as the Bruiserweight. I've known all this. And now I'm like, you're not... Who, who is Butch? What is Butch? I don't... Oh, it's just... Oh, it's bad. This one's worse than Gunther. 
I see. I that's where I agree with you. I don't mind them changing a name because names have changed ad infinitum in WWE in wrestling promotion to promotion. And if you're going to change a name, you're going to change a name. That doesn't bother me. But NXT was your third brand. He'd been in the Rumble as Pete Dunne, right? He'd been in the Royal Rumble. I remember seeing it. And also, what does Vince think Butch means or the creative team? Butch, Butch isn't. It's not something we call each other, Vince. Not it, It's not that threatening. It's not that scary. It's not a name. It's just a weird little adjective you've given to one of the greatest wrestlers on the planet. I have a hideous, hideous feeling he's going to try and make him talk in a Cockney accent as well. <laughs> I don't know why. I've got no. I've got no evidence to back that up, but I just have a feeling. On the positive, I quite like the Peaky Blinders style outfit he's in yeah i don't mind that yeah but why can't pete dunn wear it i don't know i and also if you get i i okay let's try and be positive because we've started the podcast hot and, and heavy with some pretty difficult topics on the positive he's on the main roster on the positive he's with two other guys who are getting attention right he's not been bought in as a jobber he's not been bought in like poor old carrying cross killer cross wearing you know gladiator outfit he's he, there's still something there even if you don't like the name very true but how sad is it that we could potentially be building to two of my favorite wrestlers in the world eventually wrestling each other in walter and pete dunn and i'm just they're almost going to make it not exciting for me how excited should I be for Walter Pete Dunn on the main roster? Because surely Walter Gunther, whatever his name is, has got to come up soon. Because they've changed his name, they've not done much of it. But do I want to get excited about Gunther versus Butch? Not particularly. Well, here's another question. And we don't really, I don't really watch NXT anymore. I've got to be honest. We, we're talking about coming up to the main roster. It seems from what WWE is doing, is there's actually not much distinction between the two. You you can have Rey Mysterio pop up with Dominic Mysterio in NXT. You've got Dolph Ziggler as the NXT champion. It seems that those lines that were developmental versus main roster are becoming more and more blurred every day. Yeah, it's a very good point because we, we had such a packed episode last week that we didn't actually mention it, that the Mr. Ziggler became NXT champion because Vince has had Bron on the main roster once and he's never going back, is he? Not, <laughs> not Bron Breaker. He's Vince's new favourite. He's really good, by the way. He if is. you haven't been watching a new NXT, which I haven't as much, you haven't seen Bron Breaker, just go and check out a bit of him because he is he's really, really excellent. And actually is main roster ready, I think, and I can see why Vince wants him up. But... Ziggler, like, I'm so confused. Like, I thought NXT 2.0 was meant to be all developmental again. You're taking, what, a 15-year vet down there and making the champ? Also, WWE, while I'm on it, so you take the Dirty Dogs, terrible name, down to NXT again. What was the best thing about uh, Bobby Roode in NXT? His theme. Yes. Are we all sad that they took it off on the main roster? Yes, we are. Why did they play it as his entrance theme? on NXT again to remind us all about how sad we are that we don't get to see it. <laughs> like, what, imagine that. Imagine going to a child, oh, you had a favourite toy and I took it off you about 18 months ago and you were really upset when I took it off, but actually you've forgotten about it now and no one's really mentioned it. And here it is again for one night only. I'm taking it away again. Why, why remind us of what a rubbish decision you made? But here's, here's something. I don't know why I'm feeling punchy today. I don't know why I'm You seeing... are, actually. What have you had in your tea this week? Are you sure you haven't had some of that gin behind you in your tea? I, I might have done, to be honest. I, I feel like I'm, I'm seeing the good in everything this morning. Okay. You've just said, oh, Brom Breaker's really good. 
or Braun Breakers ready for the main roster. Isn't that exactly why Vince changed NXT to NXT 2.0? That if you look at it from his point of view, a fan like you is looking at a new character coming through and saying, okay, like him, he's ready to go. And you're not saying, I want him to stay in NXT to have dream match after dream match after dream match. You want him on the main roster. It's a really good point. The thing I'd say is, I don't think NXT black and gold wasn't producing main roster ready wrestlers. The problem was what they were doing when they were bringing them up to the main roster. And because of the way they were handling them on the main roster, that's why we want them to stay in NXT because it's better for them. Now, if you'd brought up the Keith Lee's carrying crosses, even go back as far as Apollo Crews, if you brought these guys up, there's loads more examples I could give. If you brought them up and treat them well on the main roster, we would have been like, oh, okay, it's their time to come up. Like, you only got to go back two or three years ago, and we used to get very excited about people debuting on the main roster for NXT. It was the right time for it to happen. Mm. Like, um, whereas now, in the latter stages of NXT Black and Gold, they were being so mishandled. Yes, you want them to stay there. Now, if they'd handled them correctly, these guys coming up, I don't see any reason why Bron Breaker couldn't have come through in Black and Gold and had, you still could have pushed, like, because you look at his biggest rivalry in NXT 2.0. It's been with Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. So it's been with someone who was there and did it, and he's seen him through. So, yes, NXT 2.0 is doing its job in that sense, but I don't think it's a job that couldn't have happened in original NXT if it had been handled correctly. If you're listening to this, there's a fair chance you're a professional wrestling fan, and there are three simple things you can do today to help our podcast grow. One, subscribe wherever you're listening to get fresh episodes delivered each week. Secondly, rate and review us so we keep moving up the charts. And thirdly, tell other wrestling fans about what we do here by sharing some love on social media and getting involved yourself in all our fantasy booking topics. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. And now, back to the show. Let's talk about WrestleMania. Only a matter of weeks away, just a couple of weeks to go. We're still without a dance partner for Seth Rollins, although they're leaning heavily in to the Cody Rhodes teases to the degree that if it ain't Cody, then it's going to be bad. Yeah, it's got to be now. It's got to be, hasn't it? You see Corey Graves talking about his dream, his um, nightmares and his dreams being dashed and all this on commentary, like... If you're going off on your own tangent here, Corey, it's a very dangerous game to play because we are all being led to believe that this is uh, this will be Mr. Rhodes. It has to be, doesn't it? Because also, if you haven't got that, you're not leaving Seth Rollins with nothing to do. You're not leaving one of your best wrestlers with nothing to do at Mania. So I think it has to be. Cody, do you think they'll do it as a surprise at Mania? Do you think Seth will just come out and say, I haven't got a match at Mania, I'm Seth freaking Rollins, I deserve a match at Mania, I challenge anyone from the locker room to come out and wrestle me? Mm, you see, I'm so conflicted on this one because part of me thinks that if you're going to debut Cody, you couldn't do better by him than debuting him at WrestleMania against one of your top stars. That is uh, Seth Rollins. However, part of me also looks and says, timing's everything. Would the timing have been better to have debuted Cody Rhodes as soon as he was up from AEW? That seemed to be where you would strike where the iron is hot, right? Yeah, I, I can see that. I think... It's 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 interesting, wasn't it? You don't first of all you don't know when the deal was done, if the deal is done, how the deal's been done. Mm. So you don't know if they were able to. I absolutely see them wanting to debut at Mania. Uh, I see why you do that. Get some buzz about your biggest show. It's a huge Mania moment. I could also see them wanting to debut in the Raw after Mania. They haven't had a huge Raw after Mania moment for a while. Uh, but I absolutely see the thought of 
strike while the iron's hot. Everyone's talking about him. Get him on now. I I don't think there's a wrong answer to it. I think as long as you do it in a good way, everyone will be talking about it. It's a huge thing to happen. Just don't do it badly when you do it. I see. I I was talking to to Ryan, who listens to this podcast last night, and I was saying it just feels less big to me now because. You've got Stone Cold coming back. You've got lots going on. And to, uh, maybe it's just me. I accept that it could just be a personal taste. But I'm looking at it. And the buzz I would have had about Cody Rhodes turning up at, say, um, Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia or turning up the Raw after that, it's it's tiny's everything, right? And I feel like the timing of doing it... Now, I, I don't know. The buzz has just gone for me. I can't say I'm that excited about Cody Rhodes as I was when he left AEW. Yeah, that that's fair. I, I I think I think if he turns up at Mania done the right way, I think it'd be a huge moment. I think the buzz will be there. But I can see it was what three or four weeks ago. It was talk of the town, wasn't it, in the wrestling world? I mean, but, wrestling's been so crazy. Yeah. It, it it could have been. Who knows? It just at this point. it just shows there's so much going on at the moment that if you don't do something immediately, you're going to be old news within three or four days at the moment. There's so much going on. I think. Do you know? What? I think that's it. I think that it's it's that climate we live in, and because wrestling is so bonkers, there would have been one point where Cody Rhodes floating around in the ether. Where does he go? Is a huge story. But then you've had. Stone Cold Steve Austin coming back, ROH being bought by AEW, Jeff Hardy goes the other way, and and you have to maximise your minutes, and if you've not got buzz, you've not got anything in wrestling, and other things have sort of horned in on his buzz. Um, we mentioned earlier changes to presentation. Edge really leaning into his heel turn. New music, new presentation. I miss the old theme already, Charlie. Yeah, I like the presentation. I get it completely. I just, Edge's music's my favourite music in wrestling, probably. Undertaker's entrance is my favourite, but actually for music, I love uh, Edge's music, so I miss that too. But I, I think it's cool what they've done. I think it's it looks good. I think he's he's his promos are very intense. They're very to the core, aren't they? You you believe what he's saying, and I've said before, heel Edge is the best Edge, and I think him and AJ could potentially have match of the weekend at Mania. I think they could tear that place down. Yeah, I completely agree. And that I guess that's why I say, why, why change the music? We've had heel Despicable Edge with that music, but look, maybe he's like Jericho, trying to freshen things up. Now, we're recording this before Dynamite this week, but we, we can't not mention the fact there's a huge main event of AEW Dynamite, a steel cage match between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker for the AEW Women's World Championship belt. Beautiful new belt, by the way. Like that very mm. much. Folks, when they listen to this, will know whether Thunder Rosa has come out on top, in her hometown. What are you thinking, Charlie? If not tomorrow night, then never. Mm. I think I think it's a culmination of the story. Big blow off in a steel cage, in hometown. I think Thunder Rosa wins it tomorrow. Yeah, I think she has to. I think that Britt Baker is that division. And I heard some really interesting speculation that what you do is you have Thunder Rosa win the Women's World Championship, and then you can build to Britt Baker versus Jade Cargill, for the TBS championship. And I quite like what they're doing with Jade, this Goldberg-esque streak. It's making her really, really relevant. It is, and it straight away gives credibility to your new title. Because that's one of the hard things, isn't it? When you when you bring a new title in, is giving it credibility. Because why why should I care about this bit of metal that's round this bit of leather and metal? What why should I care about it? Wait, you've just plucked it out the ether. What 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 should it why is it important? Why should I want it? Why should I care who wins it? And then you put it on someone like Jay Cargill, who's running through the roster, and then you put 
the women's champion, the biggest star in the division, comes down, quote-unquote, to want to challenge her for it. And suddenly, yeah, there's some pedigree to that title. And then whoever wins that, whether Jade does or whether Britt Baker does, if that's where they go, there is more pedigree to that title. Now, Jade Cargill's doing a brilliant job of building the pedigree herself of that title, like you say. Uh, but I think having a big star, your biggest star, challenger for it, straight away makes it like, oh, okay, that's why I should want the title because Britt Baker wants it. Let's do some hell freezes over moments. Now, we've put these off for a couple of weeks, but we've had them sitting here. Um, these are the th- moments in wrestling that we never, ever thought would happen, but they did and they came through. Uh, we've got some good ones this week. Uh, we might just do listener ones this week, unless you've got yours ready, Charlie, to dive into. We can I've got my, my number one ready. There's loads, but I've got my number one ready to go if you want it. I'm Okay, I don't know what it is. I suspect I know what it is. I suspect it involves your favourite wrestler of all time and your least favourite wrestling moment. No? Okay. No, 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 because I don't like talking about that unless I have to. Okay, all right. Um, well, give me yours then. I would like to take you back 20 years. That's a long time. All the way to Monday Night Raw on Monday, July the 15th, 2002, when Vince McMahon came out to announce the new Raw general manager... And he brought out on WWE television, Eric Bischoff. And I didn't really understand that. I grew up with Bischoff as Raw General Manager. That's who he was. That was about the time I was watching. And you get a bit old and you realize, this was the man who almost ran Vince out of business. I completely agree about Eric Bischoff. That was an amazing moment because I didn't really... And do you know what I loved? It was the way they built up to it. They had Shane McMahon pretend he was going to be the GM. Heyman was there as well. And then Booker T's cutting that promo. It goes in on his face and Bischoff is there and it goes, Booker T, so good to see you again, my friend. And Booker, tell me I didn't just see that. And the buzz, it was, that was such a good angle. I go back and rewatch that one even now. Yeah, I just, as much as you say about Vince and him holding grudges, it was a, just in the humanity and the business side of it, it's a huge moment for him to go, okay, yes, we didn't get on. You almost ran me out of business, but you clearly get wrestling. You're clearly good at this. So I've bought your company. I've won. Why would I not bring you in? So it, it was a genius move from Vince. And now, obviously, 20 years later, we know everything that's happened since. Same with Heyman. They've been in, out, shaking it all about, doing the whole coking, turning around those two with WWE. But you can't tell me that... In the last 20 years, WWE has not been a better product because of Bischoff and because of Heyman as well. And I think the fact that Vince could swallow his pride and bring those two in, I think, is a credit to the man. Yeah, I think so many many of these hell freezes over moments are because Vince McMahon will do anything for the money. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way, although some people would say that. I mean, he will jump off things, swallow his pride, bring you back if it makes money and makes his audience happy. Um, Rich says, uh, my three hell freezes over moments. Bischoff debuts on Raw. The streak ends. Sorry, Charlie. Bret Hart returns to Monday Night Raw in 2010. And I remember that being a huge moment because it was up against the three-hour Impact Wrestling where Hulk Hogan debuted um, for TNA. And again, that was a bit of a hell freezes over moment to see Hogan on one side and Raw on the other. Yeah, the, the Mr. Mr. Vince. He's Vince's favourite man ever, it seems. And there he is in 2010 on TNA. Like, what's going on there? And then I don't think after the Montreal Screwjob, any of us thought we'd ever see Bret Hart back in WWE. So that was a huge moment. Just unfortunately, it led to one of the worst WrestleMania matches ever. But we, we like to forget about that bit. I think we have to. Um, Gary, a little bit older as a wrestling fan, Jack, so here are mine. Lex Luger shows up on Nitro 
the streak ends, and Shane McMahon buys WCW. Again, another classic moment. We, we spoke at the start of this pod about, about how different it was to have Scott Hall walk out on Nitro. Lex Luger showing up on the debut show at the Mall of America, coming down and just looking at, I think, Sting and Ric Flair in the ring. That had never happened before. Yeah, and as much as it didn't quite work out from the way they wanted WWE, Lex Luger was the next big thing um, without being Brock Lesnar. He was he was meant to be the next Hogan, wasn't he? So for, their, for WWE to lose their next golden goose to WCW like that right at the start, that was huge. That was a massive moment. And it just straight away showed that this was, this was going to be a crazy time in wrestling. Yeah, I, I think we need to do a special at some point. Maybe the next time you and I have got holidays and we need to get one in the bank on just how game-changing Eric Bischoff's Monday Nitro was. Because everything we watch in wrestling at the moment is derived to a degree from what Nitro did first. Live, two hours or three hours, surprises, pay-per-view quality matches on TV. As much as we lord Vince's vision, Bischoff's vision love him or loathe him, is what wrestling is built around now in terms of live television presentation. It is, and he he also was a huge part of developing that GM character that we see as well, as much as Mr. McMahon, when Bischoff came in his Raw, he was such a good on-screen character as well. I know he did it in that WCW as well, but I, I grew up with him as the GM in Raw and that that music, that I'm back music on everything, he just... He perfected that on-screen character as well of being there without being overarching. He wasn't like the authority who just you didn't want to see. Like Monday Night Raw was better when you saw Bischoff on screen. Him and I grew up with him and Teddy Long. They were my GMs. I loved GMs. I miss good GMs. Uh, and like you say, even before that, though, what he did with Nitro was um, was game changing. Both of what we see on Raw and what we see on Dynamite and SmackDown and Rampage. So much of it is due to what he did on Nitro in the late 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I grew up with Bischoff and Stephanie McMahon as um, my GMs. And I still think one of the best moments in wrestling ever, and and look, questionable angle leading up to it, but the Billy and Chuck commitment ceremony where Bischoff's in the latex and he does a, a commitment is for however long, however long, or for three minutes. And then, he, did you remember this angle? You must have seen yes, this. Yes, I remember yeah. it. Yes, I'm not as well as you, but I do remember it, yes. Just a brilliant moment where, where Bishop is paying this, 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 this doddery old vicar, and then he pulls off the latex. And it's Eric Bischoff under it. It's extraordinary. Now, here's one from Ross, who's just given us one hell freezes over moment, but blimey, is this relevant? WrestleMania from the Performance Center. Whoever would have seen thought you'd see WWE put on their biggest show of the year in front of no crowds from a warehouse in Florida. Yeah, and something I think we can all say we never want to see again. It was, they were scrambling because I remember it was about, still at this moment, two years ago, we didn't, we, I think Mania was still happening in front of fans, wasn't it? The, yeah. the world was just starting to close. It was only about 10 days, two weeks before they were like, okay, we can't do this. Um, and they made the best of a bad situation, didn't they? We got, the Firefly Funhouse, and we got the Boneyard match, which were brilliant, and obviously not what they would have done if they'd had a stadium. So, yes, mental. The whole the whole empty wrestling era was mental. And but particularly we never that, see. wasn't it? Because 
you know, they of course they were they were working on the fly. They all were, and they kept entertaining us for better for worse. They kept entertaining us, and for that we have to thank them. But that wasn't even when they got the Thunderdome together. That wasn't even when they'd managed to get um, the, the the TV screens in the performance center. That was just here's an empty building with a ring and some lights, and they managed to get the the WrestleMania pirate themed thing oh, in it. Vincent said, "I've paid for the big sign. It's yeah. coming in. It didn't fit, but it's coming in." But it was just. I went back and watched some of that, having had that suggestion, and you realise how far we've come in such a short space of time because those were horrible, those shows. As entertaining as they try to be, they were not fun. They were just soulless, and it wasn't anyone's fault. It wasn't production's fault. It wasn't Vince's fault. It wasn't the wrestler's fault. But just wrestling without fans is just its not the same. So much of it is pantomime. So much is theatre, and so much is so reliant on fan response more so than any other sporting event probably because the fans are such a huge part of it and without the fans there it was just very flat and soulless is the word i think it just had no soul yeah i mean this is going to be the first proper wrestlemania since the pandemic yes we had last year but it was still at at, at half capacity if that uh, so we look forward to that we'll do more hell freezes over moments on next week's pod let's do the favorite part of the show we send something from everyday life back to developmental that we want less of and something we want more of gets the push first or second this week mr beckett uh, i'll go second this week okay good i am giving the push to the Beatles. The Beatles. Ah, yes. And it is because there are so many people I saw off the back of the Get Back documentary saying the Beatles weren't all that good. Almost a rever- a Coldplay situation, you know? Oh, the Beatles. I guess they had a couple of good songs. And it blows my mind because on Spotify recently, I've been listening to the Beatles' number one album. And boy, oh boy. Did they have song after song after song? So the Beatles are getting the push, and specifically they're getting the push to annoy all those too cool for school kids who are saying, "Oh, the Beatles weren't very good. They weren't anything. The Stones were better." Because how how can you say that about the Beatles, Charlie? Yeah, well, I'm from Liverpool, aren't I? So you you're born and straight away the Beatles are just thrust upon you. Of you must love the Beatles. But my grandma used to go to the Cavern and see them before they were big. So I grew up on stories of how great the Beatles are, and they are brilliant. And Tell me anyone who won't sing along to a Beatles song when it comes on. So I absolutely will give them the push with you. And what I don't understand is this, oh, the Stones are better, the Beatles are better. Just enjoy them both. They're two of the greatest bands ever, and they're both British. So let's just be proud of them both. Absolutely. Say so, all of us. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, Back to developmental for me. This is a strange one. Guilty pleasures that aren't guilty. Okay? You ever heard this? Where people will go, oh, I've got a real guilty pleasure. Sometimes I'll have a cake at 7 o'clock at night. And you think that's not a guilty pleasure. That's just life. Like, <laughs> what do you project? What do you want? Do you ever like, oh, I've got a real guilty pleasure. Sometimes I go out and I do a bit of murdering. <laughs> like, I want my guilt. I want something. I've got real guilty pleasure. Sometimes I'll just sit down and I love heroin. I just yeah. love heroin. <laughs> that's what I want. Is that what you want? Right. Okay. Okay. So you want guilty pleasures to be crimes and crimes only. I just think you can't say to me, my guilty pleasure, it's ABBA. Oh, it's ABBA. Is it one of the greatest pop bands of all time? That's your guilty pleasure. So if you have a guilty pleasure, make it a proper guilty pleasure. Something that you worry could get you arrested if you admit to it. Like your guilty pleasure is sometimes you go and squat in other people's homes without them knowing. I want a proper guilty pleasure. Anything that is just fine, stop calling it a guilty pleasure. And I'm sure I've done it in the past, so I know I'm a hypocrite. 
Okay, and any fans out there listening who want to let Jack know their actual guilty pleasures, maybe just DM him rather than tweet him if it's not public public knowledge. But you know what I mean? Some of these really... Oh, it's my guilty pleasure. You know, I really like the Kardashians. That, that's not that's a TV show. That's not a guilty ple- Anyway, I could get, I get into it. trouble going down this road. I get it. You could. You could. Because it's just going to sound like you're endorsing criminal activity, which we don't on this show. To be clear, we do not. Uh, right. Those are mine. What are yours? Uh, back to developmental for me this week are mouth ulcers. Oh, yeah. Oh, I get them bad when I get a cold or when I get stressed. I get bad ulcers. But bless her, my uh, better half. She plays rugby as well. She got kicked in the face completely by accident in the week playing and got a cut on the inside of her lip. And her ulcer, well, she's had three all in a row. And they've been here. Like, she can't talk this week. So actually, it's been brilliant. Nope, joking. Um, <laughs> she's, all right, we've said before, she doesn't listen, so it's okay. Um, no, and they're just so painful. I've had one this week as well. And you just, you're eating. And a little bit of salt or something gets on you. are like, ah! And then Bongella is so painful. Why Why are you so painful, Bongella? Um, it's hard anyone... to apply Bongella as well. It takes two goes. You put it on first, it just slips down your fingers. You have to use another bit of your finger to get it in. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but quick tip, go and get from Boots or anywhere, any pharmacy, Igloo. It's better than Bongella. It's like a paste. It, it does work. So whoa, whoa, igloo. whoa, whoa. Well, you can't say it's better than Bongella. The Bongella folks will be up in arms. It's Sorry. Dif- it's different. In my personal opinion, it works more effectively for myself only than Bongella. There we go. Well, there we go. Igloo, it's called. Yes. Also, you don't, what listeners don't know is the number of times I've said things in this show and Jack just goes, well, we'll have to edit that out. You can't say that. That was also that. I'll just endorse something called bad mouth something. Jack's like, you can't say that. We'll leave so this in because we've balanced it out. But there are a there couple of times that Charlie's uh, back to developmentals would have got us into hot legal water. Yes. So I hope that one stays in. Uh, and then earning the push for me is the Country to Country Music Festival that I went to on Sunday. I'm wearing the cap very proudly. Oh, it was great. It was so good. Oh, that's what that was. Yes. I thought C2C might be a band when I saw it on social media. No, C2C. So it's country to country. So country music's my guilty pleasure. There's 20,000 of us in there. So actually, it's not that guilty. It's pretty popular. Um, yeah, so I went with my sister and my dad. We all like, love country music. And it's a huge country music festival in the UK. They do three nights. And they bounce between Glasgow, Dublin, and London. Uh, and we went to London on Sunday and... I, I went because the headliner was a guy called Luke Combs, who is brilliant. He's one of my favourite artists, and he was amazing. He put on such a good show. But he didn't come on until nine, and we got there at two. And I just saw so many great bands that I'd never have heard of and great country singers that are now all in my Apple Music. They're all over it. Because I was there, I love finding new music. It was really exciting. So it was a great day, really nice day with my sister and my dad. And I loved all the new music I found, but oh my God, Luke Combs put on an unbelievable show. And out of nowhere, he just brought Ed Sheeran on stage. What? Ed Sheeran just rocked up. Because yeah, I know he was covering an Ed Sheeran song and then he gets, he's covering Dive and he gets to the second verse and he stops singing, but I can still hear someone singing. And then Ed Sheeran just walks out. Everyone goes berserk. He looked like he just walked off the street. He was in his trackies and a, and a, and a plaid shirt, sang his bit. And that was like, oh, he'll probably stick around for a little bit now. Pop back off and went home. Well, there we go. Um, is is Shania Twain country? Would you say? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd say there's definitely some countryish twang to her. We play a I lot of her in my day job. Country. We play a lot. I of like her. Shania Twain. Yeah. Let's never forget that in my uh, previous in our previous show we spoke about on my end of season social at Jersey where we had the wrestling belt to compete for in a drinking competition. And that don't impress me much. Being sang by one of the players was the was the official entrance theme to any match. 
<laughs> I'd completely forgotten about that. What player was it again who did the honours? Yes. George. Yes. There we go. Um, well, look, I, th- I think country music is fantastic. Actually, what I really want to do one day is a road trip across the American South. Yeah. Country music venues. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I just want to go to Nashville mm. and just go, because I've got, had a few friends who have. And they're like, you go into any bar in Nashville and you sit down and hear the people singing. You're like, well, how don't you have a recording contract? You're amazing. Anyway, look, uh, it's been a different recording today uh, because we haven't had the chance to talk about AEW. We will talk about it next week on the pod. Just to be clear, you think we will be talking about a Thunder Rosa title victory? I think we will, because I think if it's not this week, I don't think it's ever going to happen. And I think it needs to happen. I think she deserves and should be, both for her and for business and for everything, should be Women's Champion AW, and I think it has to happen. Well, we'll see if Charlie's right. I suspect he will be. Look, if you enjoy what we do here, get involved. We're after Hell Freezes Over Moments. We'll wrap that up next week on the podcast. Wrestling things you never thought would happen. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. Share the love on your socials. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Murley. And we'll see you next time on Earning the Push when we'll do it all again. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>